Chapter eighteen, part two of Vandover and the Brute. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by K. Hand. Vandover and the Brute by Frank Norris. Chapter eighteen, part two. About ten minutes before one the next day, as Geary came back from lunch, he was surprised to see Vandover peeping through the half-open door of his office. He had not thought that Vandover would come back. Of the many different stories that Vandover had told about the disappearance of his bonds, the one that was probably truest was the one that accounted for the thing by his passion for gambling. For a long time after his advent at the Reno house, this passion had been dormant. He knew no one with whom he could play, and every cent of his income now went for food and lodging. But one day, about six months before his visit to Geary's office, Vandover saw that the proprietor of the Reno house had set up a great bagatelle board in a corner of the reading room. A group of men, sailors, ranchmen, and fruit vendors were already playing. Vandover approached and watched the game, very interested in watching the uncertain course of the marble jog-jogging among the pins. The clear little note of the bell or the dry rattle as the marble settled quickly into one of the lucky pockets thrilled him from head to foot. His hands trembled. All at once his whole left side twitched sharply. From that day the fate of the rest of Vandover's little money was decided. In two weeks he had lost twenty dollars at Bagatelle, obtaining the money by selling a portion of his bonds at a certain broker's on Montgomery Street. As soon as he had begun to gamble again, the old habits of extravagance had come back upon him. From the moment he knew that he could get all the money he wanted by the mere signing of a paper, he ceased to be economical, scorning the former niggardliness that had led him to starve on one day that he might feast the next. Now he feasted every day. He still kept his room at the Reno house, but instead of taking his meals by any ticket system, he began to affect the restaurants of the Spanish Quarter, gorging himself with the hot spiced meals three and four times a day. He quickly abandoned the bagatelle board for the card table, gambling furiously with two of the ranchmen. Almost invariably, Vandover lost, and the more he lost, the more eager and reckless he became. In a little time he had sold every one of his bonds and had gambled away all but twenty dollars of the money received from the last one sold. This sum, this twenty dollars, Vandover decided to husband carefully. It was all that was left between him and starvation. He made up his mind that he must stop gambling and find something to do. He had long since abandoned his work at the paint shop, but at this time he returned there and asked for his old occupation. They laughed in his face. Was that the way he thought they did business? Not much. Another man had his job, a much better man and one who was regular, who could be depended on. That same evening Vandover broke his twenty dollars and became very drunk. A game of poker was started in a back room of one of the saloons on the Barbary Coast. One of the players was a rancher named Tote, a fellow boarder at the Reno house, but the two other players were strangers, and there in that narrow, dirty room, sawdust on the floor, festoons of fly-specked red and blue tissue paper adorning the single swinging lamp, figures cut from bill posters of the black crook pasted on the walls, there in the still hours after midnight, long after the bar room outside had been closed for the night, the last penny of Vandover's estate was gambled away. The game ended in a quarrel, Vandover very drunk and exasperated at his ill luck, accusing his friend Tote, the rancher, of cheating. Tote kicked him in the stomach and made him abominably sick. Then they went away and left Vandover alone in the little dirty room, racked with nausea, very drunk, fallen forward upon the table and crying into his folded arms. After a little he went to sleep, but the nausea continued, nevertheless, and in a few moments he gagged and vomited. He never moved. He was too drunk to wake his hands and his coat sleeves the table all about him 
were foul beyond words but he slept on in the midst of it all inert stupefied a great swarm of flies buzzing about his head and face it was the day after this that he had come to see geary ah said geary as he came up it's you is it well i didn't expect to see you again sit down outside there in the hall and wait a few minutes i'm not ready to go yet or wait here i tell you what to do geary wrote off a list of articles on a slip of paper and pushed it across the table toward vandover together with a little money you get those at the nearest grocery and by the time you are back i'll be ready to go that day geary took vandover out to the mission they went out in the cable car geary sitting inside reading the morning's paper vandover standing on the front platform carrying the things that geary had told him to buy a bar of soap a scrubbing brush some wiping cloths a broom and a pail almost at the end of the car line they got off and crossed over to where geary's property stood vandover looked about him the ground on which his own block had once stood was now occupied by an immense red brick building with white stone trimmings in front on either side of the main entrance were white stone medallions upon which were chiseled the head of a workman wearing the square paper cap that the workman never wears and a bent-up forearm the biceps enormous the fist gripping the short hammer that the workman never uses an enormous round chimney sprouted from one corner through the open windows came the vast purring of machinery it was a boot and shoe factory built by the great concern who had bought the piece of property from geary for fifteen thousand dollars the same property geary had bought from vandover for eight across the street from the factory was a long row of little cottages very neat each having a tiny garden in front where nasturtiums grew there were fifteen of these cottages three of them only were vacant that was my idea observed geary as they approached the row willing to explain even though he thought vandover would not comprehend and it pays like a nitrate bed i was clever enough to see that cottages like these were just what's wanted by the workmen in the factory that have families i made some money when i sold out my block to the boot and shoe people and i invested it again in these cottages they are cheap and serviceable and they meet the demand vandover nodded his head in assent looking vaguely about him now at the cottages now at the great building across the street geary got the keys to one of the vacant cottages and the two went inside now here's what i want you to do began geary pointing about with his stick you see when some of these people go out they leave the rooms nasty and that tells against the house when parties come to look at it i want you to go all over it top and bottom end to end and give it a good cleaning sweep the floor and wash the paint you know and now these windows you see how dirty they are wash those inside and out but don't disturb the agent's signs you understand yes i understand now come out here into the kitchen look at these laundry tubs and that sink see all the grease clean that all out and underneath the sink here see that rubbish take that out too now in here look at the bathtub and toilet you see how nasty they have left them you want to make em look like new yes now come downstairs you see i give em a little floored basement here kind of a storeroom and coal room here's where most of the dirt and rubbish is just look at it see all that pile over there i see take it all out and pile it in the back yard i'll have an ash man come and remove it whew there is a dead hen under here sling that out the first thing they went back through the house again and geary pointed out the tiny garden to vandover straighten that up a bit pick up those old newspapers and the tin cans make it look neat now you understand just what i want you make a good job of it and when you are through with this house you begin on the next vacant one further down the row you can get the keys at the same place you get to work right away i should think you ought to finish this house this afternoon all right answered vandover i'm going to look around a little i'll drop in again in about an hour and see how you're getting on 
with that geary went away it was saturday afternoon and as the law office closed at noon that day geary very often spent the time until evening looking about his property he left vandover and went slowly down the street noting each particular house with immense satisfaction even entering some of them talking with the women folk all the men being at the factory vandover took off his coat his old and greasy cutaway and began work he drew a pail of water from the garden faucet in a neighbor's yard and commenced washing the windows first he washed the panes from the inside very careful not to disturb adams and brunt's signs then cleaned the outside sitting upon the window lead his body half in and half out of the house geary enjoyed himself immensely the news of the landlord's visit had spread from cottage to cottage awakening a mild excitement throughout the length of the row the women showed themselves on the steps or on the sidewalks very slatternly without corsets their hair coming down dressed in faded calico wrappers just as they had come from the laundry tubs or the cook stove they bethought them of their various grievances a leak here a broken doorbell there a certain bad smell that was supposed to have some connection with a rash upon the children's faces they waited for geary's appearance by ones and twos timid very respectful but querulous for all that filling the air with their lamentations vandover had finished with the windows now he was cleaning out the sink and the laundry tubs they smelt very badly and were all foul with a greasy mixture of old lard soap soot and dust a little mold was even beginning to form about the faucets of the tubs the escape pipe of the sink was clogged and he had to run his finger into it again and again to get it free the kitchen was very dirty old bottles of sweet oil moldy vinegar and flat beer cluttered the dusty shelves of the pantry meanwhile geary continued his rounds he went about among the groups of his tenants very pleased and contented smiling affably upon them he enlarged himself giving himself the airs of an english lord in the midst of his tenantry listening to their complaints with a good-humoured smile of toleration a few men were about some of whom were out of work for the moment others who were sick to these geary was particularly condescending he sat in their parlours little crowded rooms smelling of stale upholstery and of the last meal where knitted worsted tidies very gaudy covered the backs of the larger chairs and where one inevitably discovered the what-not standing in one corner its shelves filled with shell-boxes broken thermometers and little alabaster jars shaped like funeral urns where one kept the matches the wife brought the children in very dirty looking solemnly at geary their eyes enlarged in the direct unwinking gaze of cows by this time vandover had finished with the sinks and the tubs and was down upon his hands and knees scrubbing the stains of grease upon the floor of the kitchen it was very hard work as his water was cold he was still working about this spot when geary returned by this time vandover was so tired that he trembled all over his spine seemed to be breaking in two and every now and then he paused and passed his hand over the small of his back closing his eyes and drawing a long breath well how are you getting on asked geary as he came into the kitchen drawing on his gloves about ready to go home oh i'm getting along replied vandover rising up to his knees you want to hurry up answered geary you must be done with this house by this evening you see i want to advertise it in tomorrow's papers all right i'll have it done pretty dirty wasn't it yes pretty dirty you may have to work here a little later than usual this afternoon but be sure you have everything cleaned up before you leave geary said all right answered vandover bending to his work again just as geary was leaving he had the admirable good fortune to meet on the steps of the cottage a little group who were house hunting two young women and a little boy the mother of the little boy so she explained to him was married to one of the burnishers in the factory the other woman was her sister geary showed them about the little house very eager to secure them as tenants then and there he began to sing its praises its nearness to the factory its excellent plumbing its bathroom and its one stationary washstand its little garden and its location on the sunny side of the street 
"'I'm a good landlord,' he said to them as he ushered them into the kitchen. "'Any one in the row will tell you that. "'I make it a point to keep my houses in good repair and to keep them clean. "'You see, I have a man here now cleaning out.' "'Vandover glanced up at the woman an instant. "'The two of them and the little boy looked down at him on all fours upon the floor. "'Then he went on with his work. "'This is the kitchen, you see,' pursued Gary. "'Notice how large it is. "'You see, here are your laundry tubs, your iron sink, your boiler, everything you need. "'Of course it's a little grimy now, but by the time the man gets through it will be as clean as your face. "'Now come downstairs here and I'll show the basement.' "'In a moment their voices sounded through the floor of the kitchen, an indistinct, continuous murmur. "'Then the party returned and passed by Vandover again and stood for a long time in the front room haggling. "'The cottage rented for fifteen dollars.' The young woman was willing to take it at that, but with the understanding that Geary should pay the water rent. Geary refused, unwilling to even listen to such a thing. Every other tenant in the row paid for his own water. The young woman went away, shaking their heads sadly. Geary let them get halfway down the front steps and then called them back. He offered a compromise. The young women should pay for the water, but half their first month's rent should be remitted. The burnisher's wife still hesitated, saying, "'You know yourself this house is awfully dirty.' "'Well, you see, I'm having it cleaned.' "'It'll have to be cleaned pretty thoroughly. I can't stand dirt.' "'It will be cleaned thoroughly,' persisted Geary. "'The man will work at it until it is. "'You can keep an eye on him and see that the work is done to suit you.' "'You see,' objected the burnisher's wife, "'I would want to move in right away. "'I don't want to wait all week for the man to get through.' "'But he is going to be through with this house tonight,' exclaimed Geary, delighted. "'Come now, I know you want this cottage, and I would like to have such nice-looking people have it. "'I know you would make good tenants. "'I can find lots of other tenants for this house, only you know how it is, "'a nasty, slovenly woman about the house, and a raft of dirty children. "'And you don't like dirt, I can see that. "'Better call it a bargain and let it go at that.' "'In the end, the burnisher's wife took the house. "'Geary even induced her to deposit five dollars with him in order to secure it.' Vandover was down in the basement filling a barrel with the odds and ends of rubbish left by the previous tenants. Broken bottles, old corsets, bones, rusty bed springs. The dead hen he had taken out first of all, carrying it by one leg. It was a gruesome horror, partly eaten by rats, swollen, abnormally heavy, one side flattened from lying so long upon the floor. He could hardly stand. Each time he bent over it seemed as though his backbone was disjointing. After cleaning out the debris he began to sweep. The dust was fearful, choking, blinding, so thick that he could hardly see what he was about. By and by he dimly made out Geary's figure in the doorway. "'Those people have taken the house,' he called out, "'and I promised them you would be through with it by this evening. "'So you want to stay with it now till you're finished. "'I guess there's not much more to do. "'Don't forget the little garden in the front.' "'No, I won't forget.' Geary went away, and for another hour Vandover kept at his work stolidly, his mind empty of all thought, knowing only that he was very tired, that his back pained him. He finished with the basement, but as he was pottering about the little garden, picking up the discolored newspapers with which it was littered, the burnisher's wife returned, together with her sister and the little boy, the little boy eating a slice of bread and butter. They re-entered the house. Vandover heard their voices, now in one room, now in another. They were looking over their future home again. Evidently, they lived close by. Suddenly the burnisher's wife came out upon the front steps, looking down into the little garden, calling for Vandover. She was not pretty. She had a nose like a man, and her chin was broad. "'Say there,' she called to Vandover. "'Do you mean to say that you've finished inside here?' "'Yes,' answered Vandover, straightening up, nodding his head. "'Yes, I finished.' "'Well, just come in here and look at this.' Vandover followed her into the little parlor. Her sister was there, very fat, smelling somehow of tallow candles and cooked cabbage. Nearby stood the little boy, still eating his bread and butter. 
look at that baseboard exclaimed the burnisher's wife you never touch that i'll bet a hat vandover did not answer he brought in the pail of water soaping his scrubbing brush went down again on his hands and knees washing the paint on the baseboard where the burnisher's wife indicated the two women stood by looking on and directing his movements the little boy watched everything never speaking a word slowly eating his bread and butter streaks of butter and bread clung to his cheeks stretching from the corners of his mouth to his ears i don't see how you come to overlook that said the burnisher's wife to vandover that's the dirtiest baseboard i ever saw oh my i just can't naturally stand dirt there you didn't get that stain off that's tobacco juice i guess go back and wash that over again vandover obeyed holding the brush in one hand crawling back along the floor upon one palm and his two knees a pool of soapy dirty water very cold gathered about him soaking in through the old blue pants and wetting him to the skin but he slovened through it indifferently put a little more elbow grease to it continued the burnisher's wife you have to rub them spots pretty hard to get them out now scrub all along here near the floor you see that streak there that's all gormed up with something or other bugs get in there mighty quick there that'll do i guess now is everything else all clean mr geary said it was to be done to my satisfaction and that you were to stay here until everything was all right all at once her voice was interrupted by the prolonged roar of the factory's whistle blowing as though it would never stop it was half past five in an instant the faint purring of the machinery dwindled and ceased leaving an abrupt silence in the air a moment later the army of operatives began to pour out of the main entrance men and girls and young boys all in a great hurry the men settling their coat collars as they ran down the steps the usually quiet street was crowded in an instant the burnisher's wife stood on the steps of the vacant house with her sister watching the throng debauch into the street all at once the sister exclaimed there he is and the other began to call oscar oscar waving her hand to one of the workmen on the other side of the street it was her husband the burnisher and he came across the street crowding his lunch basket into the pocket of his coat he was a thin little man with a timid air his face white and fat and covered with a sparse unshaven stubble of a pale straw color an odor as of a harness shop hung about him vandover gathered up his broom and pail and soap preparing to go home well oscar i've taken the house said his wife to the burnisher as he came up the steps but i couldn't get him to say he'd let me have it for fifteen water included the landlord himself mr geary was here today and i made the dicker with him he's had a man here all day cleaning up she explained the bargain the burnisher approving of everything nodding his head continually his wife showed him about the house her sister and the little boy following in silence he's a good landlord i guess continued the young woman anybody in the row will tell you that and he means to keep his houses in good repair now you see here's the kitchen you see how big it is here's our laundry tubs our iron sink our boiler and everything we want it's all as clean as a whistle and get on to this big cubby under the sink where i can stow away things she opened its door to show her husband but all at once straightened up exclaiming well dear me suz did you ever see anything like that the cubby under the sink was abominably dirty vandover had altogether forgotten it the little burnisher himself bent down and peered in oh that'll never do he cried has that man gone home yet he mustn't he's got to clean this out first he had a weak faint voice small and timid like his figure he hurried out to the front door and called vandover back just as he was going down the steps the two went back into the kitchen and stood in front of the sink look under there piped the burnisher you can't leave that that way you know protested his wife that this all was to be done to our satisfaction mr geary said so that's the only way i came to take the house it's about six o'clock though observed her fat sister who smelt of cooked cabbage perhaps he'd want to go home to his dinner but at this both the others cried out in one voice the burnisher exclaiming i can't help that this has got to be done first while his wife protested that she couldn't naturally stand dirt adding this was all to be done to our satisfaction and we ain't satisfied yet by a long shot 
delighted at this excitement the little boy forgot to eat into his bread and butter rolling his eyes wildly from one to the other still silent meanwhile without replying vandover had gone down upon the floor again poking about amid the filth under the sink the four others the burnisher his wife his sister-in-law and his little boy stood about in a half circle behind him seeing to it that he did the work properly giving orders as to how he should proceed now be sure you get everything out that's under there said the burnisher oof how it smells they made a regular dump heap of it what's that over in the corner there cried the wife bending down i can't see it so dark under there something gray can't you see in under there you'll have to crawl way in to get at it go way in vandover obeyed the sink pipes were so close above him that he was obliged to crouch lower and lower at length he lay flat upon his stomach prone in the filth under the sink in the sour water the grease the refuse he groped about with his hand searching for the something gray that the burnisher's wife had seen he found it and drew it out it was an old ham bone covered with a greenish fuzz oh did you ever cried the burnisher holding up his hands here don't drop that on my clean floor put it in your pail now get out the rest of the dirt and hurry up it's late vandover crawled back half the way under the sink again this time bringing out a rusty pan half full of some kind of congealed gravy that exhaled a choking acrid odor next it was an old stocking then an ink bottle a broken rat trap a battered teapot lacking a nozzle a piece of rubber hose an old comb choked with a great handful of hair a torn overshoe newspapers and a great quantity of other debris that had accumulated there during the occupancy of the previous tenant now go over the floor with a rag ordered the little burnisher when the last of these articles had been brought out wipe up all that nasty muck look there by your knee to your left scrub that big spot there with your brush looks like grease that's the style scrub it hard his wife joined her directions to his then it was over here and over there now in that corner now in this and now with his brush and soap and now with his dry rag and hurry up all the time because it was growing late but the little boy carried away by the interest of the occasion suddenly broke silence for the first time crying out shrilly his mouth full of bread and butter hey there get up you old lazy bones the others shouted with laughter there was a smart little boy for you ah he'd be a man before his mother it was wonderful how that boy saw everything that went on he took an interest that was it you ought to see he watched everything and sometimes he'd plump out with things that were astonishing for a boy of his years only four and a half too and they reminded each other of the first day he put on knickerbockers stood in the front of the house on the sidewalk all day long with his hands in his pockets the interest was directed from vandover they turned their backs grouping themselves about the little boy the burnisher's sister-in-law felt called upon to tell about her little girl a matter of family pride she was going on twelve and would you suppose that little thing was in the next to last grade in the grammar school her teacher had said that she was a real wonder never had had such a bright pupil ah but one should see how she studied over her books all the time next year they were to try to get her into the high school of course she was not ready for the high school yet and it was against the rule to let children in that way she was too young but they had a pull you understand oh yes for sure they had a pool they'd work her in all right the burnisher's wife was not listening she wanted to draw the interest back to her own little boy she bent down and straightened out his little jacket saying does he like his bread and butter well he could have all he wanted but the little boy paid no attention to her he had made a bon mot ambition stirred in him he had tasted the delights of an appreciative audience bread and butter had fallen in his esteem he wished to repeat his former success and cried out shriller than ever hey there get up you old lazy bones but his father corrected him his mother ought not to encourage him to be rude that's not right oscar he observed shaking his head you must be kind to the poor man vandover was sitting back on his heels to rest his back waiting till the others should finish 
well all through inquired the burnisher in his thin voice vandover nodded but his wife was not satisfied until she had herself carefully peered into the cubby while her husband held a lighted match for her ah that's something like she said finally it was nearly seven vandover prepared to go home a second time the little boy stood in front of him looking down at him as he made his brush and rags and broom into a bundle the boy slowly eating his bread and butter the while in one corner of the room an excited whispered conference was going on between the burnisher his wife and his fat sister-in-law from time to time one heard such expressions as overtime you know not afraid of work ah think i'd better looks as though he needed it in a moment the two women went out calling in vain for the little boy to follow and the burnisher crossed the room toward vandover vandover was on his knees tying up his bundle with a bit of bale rope i'm sorry began the burnisher awkwardly we didn't mean to keep you from your supper here he went on holding out a quarter to vandover here you take this that's all right you worked overtime for us that's all right come along oscar come along my son vandover put the quarter in his vest pocket thank you sir he said the burnisher hurried away calling back come along my son don't keep your mamma waiting for supper but the little boy remained very interested in watching vandover still on the floor tying the last knots as he finished he glanced up for an instant the two remained there motionless looking into each other's eyes vandover on the floor one hand twisted into the bale rope about his bundle the little boy standing before him eating the last mouthful of his bread and butter end of chapter eighteen part two end of vandover and the brute by frank norris